Thanks, Tim. It's been a joy being with you guys today, uh, and uh, I appreciate you hanging with me this morning as we talked about uh, one aspect of missions that oftentimes doesn't get a lot of airtime. Uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I just want to start the evening by breaking open God's Word on the topic. Uh, and as you're turning there, I'm going to make an announcement. My wife is waving a book down there. And that is a sign-up sheet for what we call the Radius Report. Many of you get it. Uh, some, many of you don't get it. Uh, what the Radius Report is, is a, uh, we put it out two, uh, every two or three weeks. And it is a newsletter about Radius. Uh, not so much about Radius, but about missions today. And what's going on in missions. And uh, as we talked about this morning, many people do feel that uh, there's been enough money and uh, people sent overseas in the last 20 years that we should have completed the Great Commission. What are the issues that are keeping us from doing that? What's actually going on in missions? So every couple of weeks we take one particular aspect and just uh, try to uh, speak to that. We don't do it uh, comprehensively. The newsletter's too short to do that. It's not that long. Uh, but if you're interested in knowing more about missions, uh, my wife has that and she'll start it somewhere and it'll make its way around and uh, if you aren't interested, that's fine. It's not a fundraising letter. We just want to make it available to you. As we look at 1 Corinthians 14, the, the issue in particular is tongues. And Paul is talking about the issue of tongues. And he says this in regards to tongues and the confusion uh, that it was having in the church there in Corinth. He makes a statement <clears throat> just regarding communication in general. We pick up in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 14. Paul writes again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am, in a, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. That's just basic communication. If I can't understand what you're saying, uh, and if you're not saying it clearly, I'm not going to understand it. And if I can't understand it, I can't take it seriously, and I can't put my faith in it. That's just communication 101. And yet today, what we see in missions is a setting aside of this in large part uh, and going to other methodologies that don't demand that missionaries are excellent communicators. So we're just going to take you through tonight some of the issues that we have. Uh, I want to see if I can see that back screen there. Okay, why language fluency? Language fluency. Without language fluency, there is no assurance of gospel clarity. If a person cannot speak fluently, and uh, everybody here is a fluent speaker of the English language, I'm guessing. That means you can switch from past tense to future tense. You can speak of hopes, aspirations, exhortations, sadness, humor. You can follow the storyline at real time. You don't have to sit and think about, oh, wait a second. He was telling a story, but now he's actually giving an example. He's moving into a narrative mode. Uh, you don't even think about it. You just switch modes all the time. That's fluency. Uh, we'll talk a little more in detail as we go on. But without fluency, there is no assurance. And in fact, there's a high assurance that you did not communicate the gospel. You communicated something else. And folks, if we get the gospel wrong, and that happens a lot, and people embrace our wrong gospel, they've embraced heresy, and there's no forgiveness of sins for good intentions. We understand what Christ did on that cross, or it's not the gospel. It's something else that's being embraced. These are critical topics here. So we'll just move through that. 
Uh, hopefully, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it back there or not. God is using, okay, why, why is it? Why is this uh, uh, so commonly happening today in the realm of missions? Here's one of the statements that's uh, commonly made. God is using other means. Effective gospel workers do not need to be linguistically fluent messengers. I was there. I heard it right across from ta- the table from the individual. This is a person that had been in the missions discussion for 30 years. The need for gospel workers to learn languages is not universally accepted in mission circles today. Hear me clearly. I'm not kidding you. It is not universally accepted that missionaries need to speak at an intelligent adult level in missions today. You might be saying there's no way that's true. Folks, it is true. That's just a reality. Uh, We have uh, missionary speakers coming down to our Radius campus all the time. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing the amount of churches that are planted by people that don't speak the language of the people they're talking to. Uh, Working through interpreters went out of style about the year 1900. It was exposed. uh, uh, Many individuals spoke to that reality, and it was not, again, even attempted for probably another 90 years. Now it's normative today to work through an interpreter. Uh, we, call it, we don't call them interpreters, uh, but a new methodology has arisen so that gospel communicators sent from the USA, trained in the clarity of the gospel, don't actually need to be able to speak the language of those who they're talking to. What are those other means? Uh, the person who made this statement that was in Los Angeles, that was four years ago, around the table, uh, as we were looking at missionary candidates that were applying for grants to repay their student loans, And uh, one of the things I was noticing was a lackadaisical attitude toward learning language. And uh, bringing this up, uh, the individual responded with a previous statement that you don't need to learn languages anymore. Uh, What are those other means that the individual was referencing? Here are the new means, and you'll read this a lot in mission publication. Okay. Uh, Angels. Uh, God's working through angels today. Uh, That's wonderful. God is working through dreams today. That's wonderful, too. And uh, God is doing miracles today. And that's wonderful, too. And, folks, let's, let's be clear. Uh, man, that's an awesome thing. When your missionary serving overseas, when angels are validating that ministry, when miracles are happening, when dreams and visions are going on, uh, nobody is against any of those things. But that is not a strategy that is enabled to, uh, enabling missionaries to not learn the language of the people they're going to. Uh, nobody should be against any of these things, whether you're a cessationist or not. If God shows up via an angel or via a miracle, that's a great thing. Praise God. Who can be against that? But that cannot be used as a strategy that enables gospel workers not to learn the language of the people that they're working with. Uh, this is another reason that missionary agencies have uh, been uh, less uh, strident on making their missionaries get fluent. No one has the time to get fluent. You'll get kicked out too soon. Um, It is true that more and more these unreached language groups that we're targeting as the Church of Jesus Christ, they live in closed countries. Uh, To get there, you can't be on a missionary visa, and so you have to have a very serious, very legitimate business platform to stay long-term and to be in those countries that you're going to be doing missionary work in. Uh, the reality is, uh, back in the, about the year 2000, uh, when business as mission, BAM, uh, began to be uh, thought about more seriously, a lot of first-generation overseas business missionaries were doing uh, 
smoke and mirrors business. Okay, they weren't doing real legit businesses. Uh, one that we know of, a good friend of ours was a uh, was a teacher at a school in Sudan that had no students. Okay, finally the government sniffed it out, and they all got kicked out. Well, Shazam, what do you what do you? A big surprise there. A school that has no students. Okay, uh, this was very common. Missionaries getting kicked out because of. Uh, non-thought-through business platforms. Well, the reality is, man, that day and age has passed us. Missionaries should not be getting kicked out. It's going to happen on the rare basis, but most of the time with good planning, good preparation, uh, good forethought, missionaries can can be long-term in these closed countries. We just have to think it through at a much more serious level. Uh, so, but the, again, this has been one of the rationales. There's no, we have to come up with a method for quick communication because missionaries are just going to get kicked out. Um, sadly, that's just not, that doesn't cut it. Okay, so what, did I skip one? I think I skipped one there. Okay, this is another a statement that uh, uh, we have heard a few folks actually make. Uh, most people... Uh, that think this, they won't say it, but uh, we've heard this. This generation won't make the sacrifices to get fluent. Uh, when we started Radius seven years ago, the idea percolating around actually in the year 2005, uh, that was a common uh, pushback that we received. You've got to be kidding. This generation just wants to go to the field now. They won't put in 10 months of training. Uh, well, we felt like that wasn't quite accurate uh, when we actually got the school going. Uh, this generation won't put in the time and uh, the needed discipline to learn languages. They won't stay there long-term enough to make those languages uh, needed uh, in the way that the people that were staying there for 40 years ago were. Um, That's just not the case. We have found this generation is just as willing to make sacrifices as people 20 and 30 and 50 and 100 years ago if they know this is what it takes to see an actual New Testament healthy reproducing church in these faraway remote communities if they understand what it's going to take beforehand and you can paint the picture clear enough and, the, and you have the scriptures to back it up, yes, this generation, make no mistake about it, folks, they're there. There's lots of them, in fact. We're seeing them and we're meeting them and we're training them. Uh, so again, a statement that might sound good if we're all sitting around just you know, uh, talking to our cronies, but don't talk to somebody in their 20s like this who's laying their life down, who's selling their home, who's actually uh, making uh, the sacrifices to get ready to do this. There's just, uh, that, just, that statement isn't holding water but it is common. <clears throat> okay, so what is fluency? Uh, this, uh, you know, it's tough to come up with a, an ironclad definition, uh, but fluency is not making a purchase. Now, again, I remember when our first visitors came to E-Teddy, and I think that actually would have been uh, Pastor Bob and Ma Prang were some of our first uh, visitors. And, of course, uh, when we had other visitors, when the pilots would fly into E-Teddy when we were learning E-Teddy. And the difference between learning first languages and second languages is everything. First languages, uh, for us, it was Melanesian. For many, it's Mandarin, Cantonese, Swahili, Urdu, Amal, uh, Taiwanese. <clears throat> first languages have many, many advantages. You have books. You have headphones. You have instructors. You have a controlled environment. You have a lot of advantages in learning first languages. The next language beyond that, most of the time you have none of those. You don't have books, you don't have headphones, you don't have instructors, you don't have a controlled environment. So typically the, the, the time frame for learning second languages is quite a bit increased. Okay? 
But I, the, the stages, we used to call it faking out the pilot. Uh, when the pilot would fly in, and we'd pull out every Teddy phrase we had, and I would talk for about five minutes straight, and the Teddies are looking at me with these quizzical looks on their face like, what the heck are you saying? But you know what? I had Teddy phrases coming out of my mouth. That's a stage. Making a purchase is not a, a nothing uh, situation there. That's something. That's progress. But it's not fluency. And uh, when you go to visit your missionaries, just be careful of anointing them with the fluent label. They're doing well. They're progressing. That's great. That's, uh, that's obvious, and, and as they should be. Uh, fluency, they'll know it when they're there. Uh, they can actually have people come in and test them uh, to see if they're fluent. After seven years, I began uh, being trained as a language consultant in New Guinea. For the last 13 years, I was a culture and language acquisition consultant there. So that we are able to bring this, and we have two other consultants. Brooks was also in that position uh, down at Radius. And so how these candidates can give themselves self-testing. Because honestly, uh, New Tribes Mission, the organization that we were with, uh, we had consultants that were trained. Most organizations do not have trained or, uh, consultants within those. It's basically coming down to when you feel like you're ready, begin to minister. Well, if I'd have been operating on that basis, let me tell you, folks, I never would have gotten fluent because I, uh, I was just getting tired of learning language. I was getting tired of being gone from Beth and hiking and hunting and traveling. Uh, the, the gruelingness of learning that second language, get me out of here as fast as I can. And so without consultants who really held us to a high bar, and it was not one that I got to uh, say that <clears throat> I'm there, I had to pass those criteria checks. Uh, man, that was a very important component. We are sending uh, Radius graduates into organizations that do not have language consultants that give them regular checks. They need to be able to do this on their own. That's the reality today. Fluency is not making a purchase. Fluency is also uh, not being able to handle a situation. Handling a situation, that's progress. That's good. We need to move from situation to situation. Getting a visa, getting yourself a dentist appointment, going in, admitting your wife to having a baby. Uh, a variety of things that we need to be able to do. But that's not fluency. Make no mistake about it. Another one. Uh, fluency is not reciting a story. That's a stage. That's good. Uh, that's a critical component. Can you actually speak uh, for five minutes straight? Five minutes is huge. Uh, that, that's a lot, a lot of speech that you're uh, giving when you talk for five minutes straight. Uh, but that, again, memorizing and reciting a story is not fluency. Uh, storying, uh, this is a new term that's come up with emissions maybe in the last 15 years. Uh, that brings a lot of benefits to it. It also hides a lot of non-fluent people uh, who memorize stories and tell stories. Folks, I told stories all the time as we were sharing the gospel with the Teddy people, but I better be able to handle feedback. I better be able to ask, what did, what did you hear me say? What do you think about that? How's that sound to you? Have you heard that before? I better be able to interact. Telling a story, hitting a play button in my brain, and just telling a story is not a sign of a clear gospel communicator, and you will get error. Stories always have to be backed up, told, retold, adjusted, uh, due to the audience that you're presenting them for. Storing is good. All these are good. They don't speak of a fluent person, though. Fluency is not picking out words and answering in set phrases. That's a stage. These are common stages, and they're stages that people who grow towards fluency need to work through. But they should not be mistaken for, I'm ready to be a gospel communicator. Okay, F what is fluency? fluency? Fluent people can speak of guilt, shame. Do you see the, the, the slight variation in there? That's a nuance. Future hopes and plans, wounds of the past, memories, embarrassments, nobility, abstract terms. They can flow naturally. Every one of you can read that, and you know what I mean by that. You know the differences within those things. 
your fluent people. Again, there is a large component of missionaries today, career missionaries, that believe that North Americans cannot get fluent in these target languages. And it's just not true. It takes a lot of work, it takes a commitment, and it can be done, and it is being done. What is fluency? Rage versus anger. A little nuance in there. Uh, hunger versus starvation. Goodness versus holiness. Peace versus resignation. Do you get the similarity there? Do you get the, just a little bit of a, a definition difference between those two things? Fluent people can spot those and use those naturally, real time, when they're presenting the concept that they're talking about to their audience. Fluent people use adult vocabulary. Unfortunately, you know, as we were going through... Uh, Acts chapter 8, this last week with our students. Uh, this is a story of Philip going up to the Ethiopian eunuch. And some, somebody wrote us, actually, in fact, I think it's in a slide later on, uh, that Philip doesn't appear to know the language of the eunuch. He's an Ethiopian eunuch, but Philip was able to have a very respectful conversation. He's running up to the coach that that Ethiopian government official is sitting in, and he didn't look like a hoodlum. He didn't speak like a juvenile. He spoke in such a way that he was able to pick up immediately on where, what this man was reading and give a clear gospel presentation to, to, to the point where that eunuch, without any bump in the road, that eunuch is able to realize his need for repentance and to ask for baptism. This is a person who's fluent, who's making adult thoughts, okay? And there's a difference. If we want the gospel to be taken seriously, we don't talk like 12 or 15-year-olds. Not to grown men. We talk at their level. We use their vocabulary. It takes time. You progress through that. Because I, many of you know that when we first started learning Iteddy, I wanted to hang out with the men. The men kicked me out. I was like Gulliver's Travel. I was just raging through the jungle, and they couldn't hunt pigs when I was with them. And so they kicked me out to the teenagers, and the teenagers, after a while, they didn't want to hang out with me because I'm the dumbest person they've ever met. I can't even talk like a three-year-old. And I spent the majority of my first <clears throat> year hanging out with three-, four-, and five-year-old kids. That's tough on the ego, okay? Uh, <clears throat> you don't get ta- talking like a five-year-old, which is an accomplishment, that's an, when you can talk like a five-year-old, you have put in a lot of work. And then I, I tip my hat uh, to missionaries that can get to that level through discipline, lack of training, and they get to a five-year-old level. They can av- actually navigate like that. But I'll tell you what, don't kid yourself. Man, the gospel's taking a hit. It's not listened to as seriously as if you use the vocabulary of an adult. They, can, <clears throat> they, need, they need not plan out their verbal interactions. Real time. They can flow with the conversation. They can spontaneously navigate switching topics, times, actors, and real time, being humorous and serious and empathetic. We do that every day. And people that were not born in this country, they come here, they have no choice but to become fluent, and they do it too. Some better, some worse. Uh, most, most have very little training in acquiring English. But if they want to make a living here, if they want to make a life here, they have to do it. Foreigners do it when they come here. Our missionaries can do it, and they must do it. For the sake of the gospel, if the gospel is going to be taken seriously, this cannot be an option. Uh, this is back in the day there, uh, sitting with Nemanja, when we were just getting into language study. I weighed a couple pounds less, and I had a few more hairs on my head. You guys don't even know who that guy is. Who is that guy? <laughs> That's Bo, <laughs> my grandson. Uh, are there limitations to fluency? Uh, this is a common pushback, and it, there's validity to this. Let's talk about it. Are there, are there limitations to fluency? Of course there are. I can't come here to St. John's, Michigan, and sit down with a bunch of men my age and talk about when they played high school football here at St. John's High. 
I wasn't here. And I'm just going to be a spectator to, to that conversation. I'm not going to try to pretend that I grew up in this area here. My wife could have that conversation maybe if she'd played football, but she did not. Uh, and, and, and there are limitations. Let's not kid ourselves. When we say fluent, of course there are conversations I'm going to be a bystander to. Uh, the reality of birth and life elsewhere, okay? Uh, I can't just plop in and interact in every conversation that uh, locals here who are born and raised here. Uh, <clears throat> limited histories do not limit gospel communication, though. I can come and share the gospel over at Walmart. I can share it here. I can share it on the streets of St. John's. Not even having grown up here, I can still have this gospel message taken seriously. If I adjust a few vocabulary things that fly in Southern California and they would be offensive here, or a variety of things like that, that takes time and work too. But the reality is that happened all the time in Paul's ministry. He spoke constantly in places he'd not grown up in. Technically, keeping up with the discussion... Uh, man, technically, there are many discussions that none of us here can keep up with. Uh, you get into brain surgery, I'm listening. That's all I'm doing. You get into the stock market, I'm listening. Getting into repairing an automatic transmission, I'm sitting on the sidelines listening. There are a host of topics. Fluency doesn't mean that you are in the center of every conversation. So are there limitations to fluency? We experience them here. Missionaries overseas experience them also. Automatic transmissions. I'm just listening. 80s music. Beth and I were buried in the jungle all during the 80s. We know nothing of 80s music. Uh, the politics of Nepal, neurosurgery. Uh, that's just you know, four of a thousand topics that we all learn to just sit quietly and uh, learn a little bit as we can and enjoy not being the center of the discussion. This is a... a a letter that we got from a major sending agency a month and a half ago. Major sending agency. Uh, If you want to, you can read the top part. Uh, Much that we would agree with this sending agency on. But we'll just uh, skip the the top part here for now because there's no discussion. We would all uh, accede to that. Yet our understanding of Radius's approach is that it pursues this standard further than we find practical. Our expectations for people learning languages are not practical. It slows things down. It's cumbersome. It's unwieldy. Radius' desired level of competency in language alone is all but unattainable. It is unattainable for expatriates, expatriate adult learners in our experience. Well, we all, as a staff, we had to uh, take our pulse after reading this letter. Uh, between our staff, uh, we've learned about nine different languages. Most of us have learned two languages, and all at an adult level. That's the only level that matters if we're going to be gospel communicators. We can't go to our experience, but we do go to the scriptures. It, what, we, we did write this agency back, so where, what is the standard you have? Folks, practicality, time, uh, this has had such an impact on missions today. Uh, and, and, and so, man, we're, we're, this was one agency, I will say this, they were courageous enough to actually write this out. This isn't practical. The graduates that are coming out of Radius, uh, they're now in India, they're now in Indonesia, they're now in North Africa, they're now in China. I cannot make the gospel clear unless I'm an excellent communicator. Folks, us making the gospel clear doesn't mean people are going to believe it. We must bow before. That's God's job. Our job is not to make people believe. We cannot bring conversion or conviction of sin. That's on the Holy Spirit to take his word clearly proclaimed and bring light to the soul. It's not on the missionary efforts. Ultimately, that's on God. 
We spend hours and hours down there praying for the people groups that our students are going to be going to. That's on God to prepare their hearts and to take his word that they've heard clearly and they can understand it and to bring light. That's on the spirit of God. So please, let's not delve into that area here. It's all on our works. No, it's not. But there's a huge portion that is. And if we abrogate what God has put on us, and he did say in 2 Corinthians 5, he has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. There is a part of him being known that is on us. Language is the main ingredient of culture. We talked about this uh, this morning. The very uh, term ethnolinguistic is primarily built off of language differentiations. I'm going to go back to that picture. Uh, that was uh, in 1982. We had built the airstrip among the Itetis. We'd been learning their language uh, for about a year and a half at that point. Uh, I, was down to, I was down to 152 pounds. I hadn't been there since I was in junior high. Uh, I was gone from Beth days and weeks at a time. I kid you not, hiking, hunting, traveling, living, eating, sleeping with the Itetis people. To learn their language is grueling. Give me a computer screen every single day and twice on Sundays. But folks, if we're going to loosen up this tongue because we're not there to do a track ministry, these people are pre-literate peoples. They're not going to be able to read anything you have for a long time. They need to hear the gospel. They need to understand the gospel and then embrace the gospel. This is just what it takes in a situation like ours. Those guys going to China is going to be different. Guys going to Chad is going to be different. Uh, guys going to India, it's going to, the, the mechanics and the particulars are going to be different. But the principles are the same. It's going to be your family taking a big hit for a few years. Uh, one of the things that we talk about with Radius students a lot is get thriving out of your vocabulary. Enduring. Enduring is what you're going to be doing. If you have this magical view of life that my kids are going to thrive, do not pursue missions. Thanks for coming. This is not for you. That's going to be shown up to be an illusion. Uh, having proper biblical expectations before they get to the field before they finish our training. Uh, there's a lot of tears in that classroom as we talk them through what's going to happen to their kids while they're there, when they come back, what's going to happen to their wife as a, a North American woman in a foreign land. Uh, that's why it's so good that none of our students come to Tijuana uh, with their own car. They use public transportation. The ladies get touched. They get used to being whistled at. They're not damaged goods. This is what it's been to be a woman throughout history. Get used to it, sweetheart. Okay, get used to it. You're tougher than you think you are. Okay, this is the message you're hearing, and you know what? It happens. It happens. We're seeing, uh, I wouldn't, I, and I would not call them fragile in their home environment, but they realize how fragile they are, how much they need to be protected, and how capable they are of enduring. If a family isn't capable of enduring, if they are somewhat ca- quietly fondling the idea of, I want my kids to thrive, Foreign missions in a pioneer context is not for them. It just isn't. So these are some of the issues that we're addressing uh, while they're there. Language variances were the tool to affect the scattering. Of, and we, again, we, got, we went through this this morning, so I'm not going to go uh, there again. Again, this morning, you already saw that. The biblical mandate, language. Language. I know you're going to be tired of hearing that word by the time this night is done. Uh, but, but to short-circuit that, to, to go around it, for missionaries to go overseas, oh, you'll get that when you get there. That's been a common thing said to literally hundreds, if not thousands, of missionary candidates. And when I go around the USA and I meet people that have gone overseas, they took a perspective class, they graduated from college, they went to the mission agency that showed up there, 
at their perspectives class and they turned in a little card and the agency calls them up and said, you're great, you're awesome. Two weeks of candidate school, two weeks of or, um, pre-field orientation, and off they go. And I meet those families. I meet those individuals. They love Jesus. They were willing to suffer. They were willing to sacrifice. They wanted to make Jesus known, and they had no idea what they were getting into. Folks, we have a mandate to take to the nations. We have a message. Uh, but the day and age of us just going overseas and hoping it all is going to work out uh, just isn't going to happen. My wife, uh, of, of course, language isn't everything. But, folks, we don't get to disciple people until we win them to the Lord Jesus. And we don't get to plant churches until they understand what it is to walk with God, until they switch identities. I'm no longer a person of the Kokomo clan. I'm no longer of the Crocodile clan. I'm no longer... I am a bow. I'm primarily my identity. I'm a follower of Jesus. And all the other identities that used to describe a bow are now secondary and third and fourth and fifth. Folks, switching identities. I'm no longer of this religion, this animistry. I'm no longer of that. I'm a follower of Jesus. It takes time and teaching. We don't get to do any of the ministry until we've earned the right. Beth going out there uh, literally every day for 20 years, giving shots, giving injections, delivering babies, doing stitching, all of that. Yes, of course, learning language doesn't do away with the absolute criticalness of touching people, meeting them at a felt needs level. This all must be done at once. But folks, let me tell you, when I got tired of learning language, you know what I like to do? I liked to work on the airstrip. I like to see the jungle go down. I, I would have made that airstrip five miles long if I could have. I was so frustrated at language learning. Give me a tractor any day of the week. That's a lot more fulfilling to mow down jungle than to stink and learn five more practical expressions today and then five more tomorrow and 25 a week and 100 a month. I'm tired. I'm just tired. And the heat wears you down. The mundaneness wears you down. Everything is stacked against you. And if you don't know, if you're not convinced to your core, that them actually hearing of what Christ did on the cross and what that means to them in their situation, if you think God's going to drop an angel down to do that, that will erode your motivation to learn language. If you're banking on an angel, you're banking on a miracle, you're banking on a dream and vision, and people who hear these things, their motivation is only partially about learning language, and they never get fluent. Not if God's doing other things. If God's got a plan B that's less painful, bring on plan B every single time. Uh, <clears throat> language isn't everything. But without language, all of the shots in the world, all of the cattle that we introduced, all of the coffee that we introduced, they would not understand the gospel. <clears throat> Keys to successful language, to, for the successful language learner. Uh, these are the things that we're uh, speaking of, I would say, even driving into the DNA of our students down there. He must be convinced that without serious fluency, he will not be a clear gospel communicator. If he thinks that, that God's going to do a plan B, uh, God will unravel my garbled speech, and somehow when I say this, God will actually make it turn out like this in the hearer's ear. If he thinks God's doing that, there goes your motivation. He's got to be convinced. He must recover from a culture where his attention span has been diminished due to nonstop stimulus. Man, we have students coming today, and they can't think of a time when they didn't have a computer in their bedroom. Okay? That's just the way it's been. Okay? And to, to be online, uh, for some of them, I, we, we actually feel like at times we can physically see them recovering uh, from, uh, as we pull the needle of being electronically connected to North America. 
They go to Tijuana and all they eat is tacos and beans and rice. Tacos, beans, and rice every single day. It's monotonous. There's no heat. There's no AC. There's no anything. Uh, <clears throat> your privacy is gone. You can't escape with your iPods list into your car. Uh, there's no television, obviously, on campus. Uh, none of those things. Stimulus, stimulus, stimulus. Uh, the loss of the American attention span. Uh, it, it's, it's notorious. Even the unsaved uh, world is waking up to that. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into a big sociological discussion on that. The downside of technology and what we're seeing happen uh, to the North American mind. But guys, saved and unsaved are realizing it's a reality. And it has deeply impacted people's ability to focus and learn a language. Technology is not our friend. Technology is not our friend when it comes to language learning. When it comes to doing Bible translation and somebody is fluent enough to be able to hear what this sounds like in the ears of the people that are listening to it, then technology can very much speed up a translation. But it's not a substitute, as some agencies are now saying, we can put this into a computer, put a few keywords, and spit out a translation in one month. Wrong. The jury's in. Uh, we're hearing the results from people that are working in Africa with that methodology. Uh, don't make too much out of the technological advancements when it comes to world evangelism. He can put instant gratification on hold. The new missionary candidate just has to be able to do that for long periods of time. He must be convinced. What did I do there? Okay. And he can make great use of two hours when he can't get a whole day in. Um, Radius students are trained. Uh, When you're healthy, you get 50 hours a weekend in language study because you're going to get sick. You're going to get malaria. You're going to get hepatitis. And then your language hours uh, go downward. You're going to have mom and dad come and visit you on the field. You're going to have governments come in and say, hey, your visa just expired. They just switched the rules on you. And you've got to make a trip down to the capital city. Uh, Distractions and interruptions are a constant missionary life. And so to be able to make great use of two hours, I can't get 10 hours in today. All I get is two. Then make great use of two hours. It's not an excuse to just cash the day in and go to the beach and go surfing. Other uh, keys, the person, uh, this person is high functioning, keeping his social needs small. Uh, Your missionary that's overseas, he's not on Facebook, especially when he's learning language. He is not on Facebook. He's not Skyping. He has killed his Facebook account. He's not putting it on hold. He's done with that. He's a serious language student. Uh, uh, Skyping. Uh, the church missions committee actually wants to know how often are you Skyping. That's a missions committee issue there. If you're Skyping uh, more than a certain amount, uh, you're not serious uh, about what your primary job is. And your primary job, your first few years, until you learn the first language and the second language, your primary job is to learn those languages. You know, keep your life holy, keep your time in the word uh, clearly uh, above all things. You've got to have a walk with Jesus throughout all this. But a casual approach to this uh, where people are having their social needs met uh, back in their home city uh, while their bodies are overseas in these bizarre locations. Uh, The loneliness that Beth and I went through in our first few years was so important. Now, we didn't have a choice. We were not like morally superior people that were setting aside Facebook and Skype and all these other ways that we could interact. Uh, We didn't have a choice. The world was different. But we saw the advent Uh, of social media when it came to New Guinea. We saw the generation of missionaries uh, that didn't come because nobody knew the effect, okay? It wasn't like they made a choice, I'm going to not listen to the advice. Nobody was giving them advice. But again, we've had enough time now to see the effect of the socially in-tune person, the person who stays up to date on the NC2As, 
on college football season, on the NFL, on the politics. Makes great discussions when you're out in the capital city, but the amount of time that you are wasting, the amount of mental energies going into the political landscape of the United States, when you're there to become part of that community, folks, you can't do it all. And so we're trying to just pull that needle out of the vein of the candidates that come down to radius. Um, CLA approach. He, he knows one approach. CLA is culture and language acquisition. Uh, Rosetta Stone. You're all familiar with Rosetta Stone. That's one way of doing it. And if you're going to go to Germany and you want to order uh, brats in a German restaurant, take Rosetta Stone. It's quick, it's fast, and it'll get you a nice restaurant order. There's a place for Rosetta Stone. The Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. Uh, they teach people <clears throat> how to break down uh, of speeches uh, that the enemy is giving so they can get data and statistics and uh, spot troop locations and movements and things like that. <clears throat> it's, a, it's an incredible place up there. We've been there. Uh, as far as getting you fluent, very few will go into it with the idea of getting fluent at a comprehensive way so they can make abstract thoughts clear to them. It's got a place, uh, but it's not everything. LAMP, uh, language acquisition made practical uh, by Brewster and Brewster. That was an incredible leap forward. Okay? This is uh, done back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, growing participator approach, a BEC. There are various approaches. We at Radius have to use BEC. We feel it has enough upside. So, but knowing one of these approaches really, really well so you don't just show up and help me out. Boy, if a missionary lands on the field, and this happens too often, they land on the field with great goals, and the first month they haven't made progress in the language, boy, uh, entropy begins to set in. Uh, They begin to get frustrated. They begin to realize, oh, my word, this language mountain is way bigger than I thought. Discouragements begin to happen. Um, Health issues begin to happen. Stress things. Uh, Tim Simmons. Now, he's our main uh, language instructor, phonetics, phonemics, linguistics. Uh, Tim, if you sit down and have a conversation with him, you're going to have a hard time. Okay, Tim is not fascinating. He's not interesting. Tim is a language wonk, okay? That's what we call him, okay? But if you want to learn the international phonetic alphabet, if you want to learn about any sound that can come out of the human mouth or throat, fricatization, glottalization, nasalization, aspiration, tone, stress, cadence, Tim's your guy, okay? Again, don't try to have a fun conversation with him outside of that realm. That's not Tim's thing. Uh, Some of the phonetic vowel chart there, okay? Just uh, all kinds of issues there. But the people that are coming out of our program, they are going into a myriad of languages. And so we have to prepare them to be able to hear about 450 different sounds that come out of this combination of mouth and nose. Uh, That's your basic international phonetic alphabet. They They need to be able to see it with their eyes, what's going on, hear it with their ears, write it down, and be able to reproduce it. Eventually, they will come up with what's called a phonemic analysis. All the multiple sounds that any language makes are not needed to make an orthography. And that's where your phonemic analysis comes in. Again, they have to be able to do that if we're going to be able to write down their language in a way that we can teach them how to read their own language. And in about half of those 3,100 language groups, they are, in fact, remote enough to where you will need to do a translation for them. You will need to make up an alphabet for them. New Guinea is not the norm. The the look of New Guinea is not uh, what most people are going to be needing to go into. There are still many remote groups there. Uh, There are many remote groups in Africa and in Indonesia. uh, But there are many remote groups also in what would appear to be more developed parts of the world. So they need to be ready to go into any of those contexts and do the very same job. Remote, urban, whatever the look, that's kind of irrelevant to be able to make the word of God known understandable, and to be able eventually to do a translation. We have to be able to train people to do that. Language learners and his family must have a deep level of consecration to the task of seeing the message of Christ clearly understood. 
<clears throat> the wife needs to be 100% on board. The kids at an age-appropriate level, they need to understand what's in front of them too. Um, that's just a given. We'll get more into that. He goes to the field with realistic time frames. Uh, this is a critical part of missionary preparation. Uh, the person who feels like he's going to be building a resume, I want to do the mission things for five or ten years, and then I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. Um, don't apply. Don't apply. If you have something else that you're wanting to do, uh, another stage of life that you're aspiring to live out, uh, being a pioneer missionary to take the gospel where it's never been before really shouldn't be in your wheelhouse. God has other ways that he could use your life. Uh, and to take off the watch, take off the calendar, uh, I'm in for the duration. I'm in for the duration. Until there is a church of reproducing mature believers there among that people group, that's how long you're there for. And when that church is there, you don't make that call unilaterally. You have other men who come in and they look at that church, they evaluate the health of that church. You don't make those calls on when you're done overseas on your own. Um, And we're teaching uh, folks to be accountable to that. Don't make decisions on your own. Don't make decisions when you're uh, discouraged. Don't make decisions quickly. How to make decisions? Uh, Because missionaries pull on the trigger, pull on the exit rope, the ripcord. I'm out of here on their own. And those decisions follow them around. We're trying to make our students aware of that. Finish. If you're going to do this, finish, finish, finish. And that's been one of the, as we talked to the missions committee today, that's been one of the dilemmas of uh, getting staff for the radius school. Getting instructors who finish is tough, okay? Uh, They're out there. uh, We're finding them. But uh, it has slowed our progress down a lot. The missionary candidate goes to the field with realistic time frames. And as a church, you have every right to evaluate your missionary candidates how long do you think this will take? Uh, I appreciate the class that graduated this last July. Uh, they, on their own, uh, they came up with a phrase and they made up T-shirts. 20 to life. 20 to life. And they had the little prison garb T-shirts that they made up. Uh, that was their decision. And uh, we have never had more children. Uh, the average age is about 31 years old. And uh, the average uh, family came in there with two to three kids. And they had all uh, sold homes to be down there. And they were not playing games. Uh, This is the atmosphere. This is the type of people that we're getting. 20 to life. I want to do nothing else than to make Christ known where he's never been known before. I'm giving my life to do that. We're blessed to be drawing people like that uh, to our uh, school. Uh, He is stacking the deck in his favor. Uh, The missionary candidate who wants to actually be used, not just give it a try. Giving it a try, don't have any time for people who want to try out missions. Uh, There's just not enough uh, hours in the day to get in there. But for a person who wants to finish and actually see that church planted, these are some of the calls that he has to make. Uh, he's not buying a vehicle. And you guys as a church, uh, oh man, we just need to, we'll be so much more efficient. Don't let efficiency get in the way of them actually living in the big city, the uncomfortable city, the city that demands so much time just to go buy groceries. A vehicle really gives them a little America right in the middle of a very appropriate place to learn language. Uh, He's using public transportation involved in local issues and foods and sports, him and his children. He is looking on his new country as his home and the home of his kids. Your long term. This is where Johnny's going to call home. Uh, This is the language uh, that he's going to be learning. Uh, It's interesting now. This is a new one for us. We had children that were born overseas, uh, um, Buzz, and uh, Natalie were born in New Guinea. Uh, we didn't have the option, but now little Bradley, our grandson, being born in Tijuana, he is now a Mexican citizen. Uh, this could long-term be a great advantage for him. Uh, American uh, passports are not universally loved. I'm sure that's not a news flash. Yeah. 
Uh, <clears throat> there's no coming back to his home country for big events. Uh, my dad's remarriage, uh, the burial of my Aunt Jane. The, the jet-set missionary uh, has to go away. Yeah, but this family member will, will pay for the airplane tickets. It's not an issue of money. It's an issue of staying, 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 staying. Money is not the issue. Somebody will generally have the funds to buy the plane ticket. But the missionary who's constantly thinking about the next furlough, the next furlough, the next big family event. But my brother's graduating from college. He's going to the NC2As. A lot of good events developing in them. And so folks who come down to radio say, no, big events or not, you're not going home. You're there for the 10 months. You get to go home for your five-week break at Christmas time. Uh, Big events or not, you're staying, you're staying, you're staying. You're going to have your baby in Mexico. If you're pregnant, you're going to have your your baby down here. Uh, This is just critical that the, the missionary who's one foot in the country and one foot on the airplane, guys, it's not helping the gospel out at all. There'll be a season later on, once he knows the language, once the gospel is resonant, once there is a baby church there, a little more latitude for movement. But without those pieces already there, you stay and learn and make disciples and get a church at least beginning to be formed. <clears throat> He's long-term on the field. I won't say more about that. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, confining internet usage. We've talked about that a little bit already tonight. He has internet discipline. Tremendous internet discipline. And believe me, I'm not even talking about pornography. I'm just talking about the way that his mind has been attacked by the internet and the constant uh, switching of websites to where he gets bored so quickly today. That's what the internet has produced. Uh, He's uh, forcing himself on the host community. He's leveraging loneliness. He's not afraid of loneliness. He actually welcomes loneliness. He sees the benefit of being lonely, uh, of no letters, of no mail in his inbox. Uh, he, he's actually able to see benefit in that, and he sees how that's going to help his uh, ability to go into the village, go into the community, go into the city, the town, the population around him, and make real friends. One of the things that uh, I mentioned already this morning. Okay, going back here. Let's go back. We take Paul's uh, way that he went through life, and he conducted his ministry. And what a great uh, way that we're trying to imbue this into the character of our radio students Paul says this, I've become all things to all men so that by all means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. Uh, That type of discipline must be in the mind and in the character makeup of those who would go overseas. Uh, folks come into us with, with a variety of backgrounds. Uh, some homes just naturally produce that. Uh, some homes aren't uh, able to produce that or don't produce that. Uh, that's okay. Uh, we see uh, people developing incredible habits. Uh, one of the things we've talked about with the uh, missions committee, uh, students at Radius, they actually have two days uh, to just kind of get to know uh, the buildings and the little campus that we have there. And then after that, they are on time charts every 15 minutes of their day from 6 in the morning 
uh, when calisthenics start, okay, at 6 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Uh, they uh, write down what they did. Uh, we want to know uh, that they're actually getting uh, the needed hours and they're not wasting time. Uh, they don't waste time on the Internet because they can't get online. And, and there's this a self-policing maturity down there. We don't have to worry about that. But are they getting the mandatory reading done? Are they uh, out in the community? Are they making friends? Very deliberately, as we said this morning, counting friends. Their time is no longer their own. They have no privacy. They have no rights. Uh, we are not shy about telling them, we own you for this next 10 months, and if you can endure this, maybe you'll make a, a good missionary candidate. And to see the way that they interact with each other. Folks, it's phenomenal. Uh, I, I just wish you could all come down there and spend a couple days uh, with these men and women that have by their own volition said, I want this, I need this. I want to make Jesus known where he's never been known before. Uh, the, the, the lie of this generation won't commit. It's laughable uh, to see the men and women of character uh, that are stepping forward. I know I need this. I want to make Jesus known. Count me in. Um, we, we count it. Beth and I just counted it incredible. We, we drive north of the border every day and we come home and uh, we're exhausted. We are exhausted with the teaching schedule, uh, with the people that are making huge, life-changing decisions. Who am I going to team up with? What country are we going to go to? What agency are we going to go out with? Uh, th- these discussions go on all the time. Uh, but man, what a privilege to interact with these world changers uh, that we get to have down there. Why, do the, why does Paul talk like that? If you get the gospel wrong, it's heresy, and it's on you. Language learning isn't everything. Please, please hear me correctly. We've talked about language this morning and this evening. It's not everything. It does not take God out of the equation. It doesn't take uh, medical work, uh, man, implementation of different farming techniques, <clears throat> teaching them how to read or write. Uh, it doesn't take uh, physical needs out of this equation. But without language, there's no gospel. Without somebody who is fluent and capable of making the gospel clear, There are no believers. There is no gospel. God is not reaching down from heaven and doing it on his own. God is not opening up the mouths of the mountains and the clouds and the streams. If he could do that, he would do that. God has self-limited himself, and we can read in Romans chapter 1. Nature speaks of a God with an incredible mind and order. Nature even speaks of, creation speaks of, and our very nature speaks of the, the, the creator one is a moral being. We make moral judgment calls all the time. There's something about us, and I mentioned this. I forget who this morning I knew. Okay, I've got to stop here. Um, the gospel message that we are entrusted with, it makes sense. It does. Even the Etedis told us that at the end of our time with the Etedis as we were asking them, what did they think when they first heard the gospel message? And they told us in their own way, it's like a perfect rain tree. The message that we've been entrusted with is like a perfect rain tree. It's that, it's that tree that grows out of the 150-foot jungle canopy, and it goes another 50 to 75 feet. It's that rain tree that goes above everything else, and it's subject to these huge hurricane winds. But because it has a base that's proportionate, has big fins that go out, sometimes 20 foot on either side, these fins are huge. And that enables that gigantic rain tree with the support structure of those fins and the, and the limbs that are proportionate to withstand everything around. It's proportionate. That's what they said the gospel sounded like. When they heard it, it made sense. Finally, a message that made sense. They'd been raised with an animistic belief that didn't answer their questions. We've been entrusted with that message, guys. 
It's on us. He has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So as you, uh, as a church, are serious about your missionary efforts, uh, take some of this with you. Uh, language is not a given. Do not expect the agencies to force their missionaries to learn language. Sorry, not happening. Not happening. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these men and women that are here tonight. And they haven't come to hear me, Lord, but they, they love you. And they've wanted to know more about what, is, what it's going to take to make your message known. Lord, as we consider one component of making your message known, Lord, we do pray you, the Lord of the harvest, would you raise up more laborers, even from St. John's First Baptist Church, that would say no to themselves, embrace you, embrace your desire to be known among every tongue, tribe, and nation. Thank you for this church's legacy. Continue in the, in the coming years to send out excellent men and women to take your message where it's not been before. Thank you for these ones. In Jesus' name, amen.